Board chairs and executive directors have heard almost every excuse in the book when they talk to board members about fundraising. I'm not wealthy. I don't know any rich people. I bring so many other skills to the table, and they're worth more than any gift I could cultivate or solicit. Well, you know, when I was recruited to this board, I was told there was a great development director, and he handled everything. You know, I really just don't know enough about what the organization does. I feel so ill-equipped to answer prospects' questions. I am the treasurer. That's my role on this board. I'm an introverted CPA, and I have never been able to work a room in my life. So if you've read my book or any of my blog posts, you know that I don't let staff off the hook when it comes to playing an integral part in partnering with the board and ensuring that they have what they need to be the kind of champions your organizations need and deserve. The kind of champions who enthusiastically invite folks to know more and do more for a nonprofit that is changing at least a small part of the world. So there it is. The question I am most often asked, how do I get my board to fundraise? Well, my friends, you have come to the right place today. Get rolling on the treadmill, and thank you for choosing me over Love It or List It on HGTV, or just don't worry about the traffic for the next half hour or so. My guest today is prepared to give you concrete steps you can take to engage your board in fundraising. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. Gail Perry is an international fundraising consultant, keynote speaker, trainer, and philanthropy leader. She is a leader in the new braid of fundraisers who are on the cutting edge of fundraising today. Her fired-up fundraising approach, developed over the 30, past 30 years as a nonprofit philanthropy expert, has helped organizations raise millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in gifts. I said that right. Hundreds of millions of dollars in gifts. Gail particularly enjoys working with nonprofit board members, introducing them to a new perspective on fundraising and how they can be successful. Gail was recently named number 10 on the list of America's top fundraising experts published by Philanthropy Media. And her best-selling book, Fired Up Fundraising, Turn Board Passion Into Action, has been called the gold standard to building successful fundraising boards. Gail, there are a whole lot of listeners who are mighty glad you are joining us, and so am I. Welcome. How are you doing, Joan? <laughs> I'm good. So, um... Before you start sharing the secret sauce, I am, um, I'm always really fascinated um, by the professional journeys of my guests. And I'm kind of guessing that when you were 10 and at a, a family dinner table and were asked that ridiculous question, you know, hey, Gail, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm thinking you didn't say, <laughs> I would really like to grow up to ask people for money. I'm curious about what you did say and how in, how in the wide world of sports did you wind up becoming a fundraising expert? Well, you know, I think that people take a, an interesting path to end up in fundraising uh, unless you – it's rare that you really start out knowing that's what your uh, your career path is going to be. But I, I, um, I was a ballet dancer, and I was interested in the arts, and I was um, sort of a rebel, and I wanted to change the world. 
so I had a lot of passion about how the world is doing and, and um, got involved even as, um, in college and in several different nonprofit initiatives. Uh, helped found NC Perg in North Carolina when I was a college student. Uh, Ralph, when Ralph Nader came to Chapel Hill to speak, um, but I but I I got my MBA and um, got a job in sales, a couple of sales jobs, and then I I moved back to North Carolina. I'd been living in Boston, and a, a friend of mine was the head corporate fundraiser at Duke University, and I'd had a sales background and I'd taken a year off to have a baby, and he said, Gail, aren't you ready to go back to work? He said, there's a great job at Duke, and you'd be perfect for it. And it was a major gift officer. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, oh, that's – you know what I said to myself? I said, that sounds like fun because <laughs> I knew it combined my sales. I knew I was really good at sales, and I knew that I really cared about mission-driven um, nonprofits. I didn't know really what that was, but I knew I had that bent, you know, to head mm-hmm. in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um although I don't really call Duke University quite a nonprofit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I had an interview, and it was really interesting. I think the lady was trying to decide if I was too North Carolinian for the job for a sophisticated international alumni base. And I was, it was just it was say, funny. can somebody be too North Carolinian? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mentioned when in the interview that I had something I'd read in the sunny New York Times. Um, the previous Sunday, I mentioned two things that I'd read because I was reading the New York Times religiously because I aspired to be sophisticated. <laughs> um, and, and anyway, I impressed the lady and she hired me. And um, that, that was the beginning of a really interesting career. I got recruited to Chapel Hill two weeks later, I mean, two months, uh, two years after Duke, and uh, then headed up the, the fundraising program at the Keenan Flagler Business School at Chapel Hill. Uh, we were still inventing fundraising. Then at Chapel Hill, uh, the first mm-hmm. ca- major capital campaign, I was one of the top, in my mid-30s, one of the top fundraisers in the, in the university and uh, on Wall Street hanging out with our billionaire alums. It was really interesting. <laughs> quick, quick, quick path to learn. Wow, it's interesting. Um, you yeah, also mentioned yeah. um, before, we, before we got started about your mm-hmm. own nonprofit board and uh, staff experience. Can you share with your yeah. listeners not only our listeners not only your experience as a fundraiser but sort of all the different seats at the table you've sat? Yeah, yeah. I have served on many boards. I, the last kind of was 22 or 23. Uh, right now I serve on the City of Raleigh Arts Commission, so it's a political appointed board. Um, I have founded, helped found three nonprofits with other people, and I've also served as board chair of three different nonprofits. Uh, so I, when I talk about board members, I speak with great sympathy. I, I have, having been subjected to boring board meetings, all, um, inappropriate and awkward um, requests to share names for solicitation. And um, I want to tell you real quickly how I came to my new approach that we'll talk about in a minute for, for sure. board members, is that I, um, I was a fundraising consultant and helping to run capital campaigns for several, um, many, quite a few important and worthy causes. And the board members were very difficult to work with. They, as you know, they're messy, Um, but they they said they would and then they wouldn't. They would subvert the fundraising effort. They would uh, work against it because they were afraid of fundraising and they didn't understand fundraising. And I was so frustrated with my boards that I was working with that I hired as a, a business coach to me an organizational development guru. Okay. And he taught me organizational development skills and taught me leadership skills, 
facilitation, team building, and all of the more psychological approaches to getting people to come together and do work. And, and, I, and um, I came up with some different ways to approach board members that are kinder, gentler, easier, more fun, and far more successful when it comes to fundraising. So and you're gonna and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave people in suspense for just a minute because <laughs> I, I, I suspect we have some skeptical people listening. Um, <laughs> but part of what you're I think part of what you're saying here, um, and it's probably one of the, you know, when I said it is probably the number one question that I get asked. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. There's there's a, there's quite a good long long list of very frequently asked questions. But how do I get my board to fundraise? And it sounds yeah. like you, you 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 took a minute and you said, you know, it's it's sort of like that definition of what's crazy if you keep asking, doing the same thing over and over again and achieving the same let's, same result. Let's find a different approach. That find is, you got you got to figure out a different path. It's and it sounds like mm-hmm. it sounds like mm-hmm. that's what you did. And I'm going to leave folks in a little bit mm-hmm. suspense for just. Just a, a minute more, and and I, and I want to, um, in preparation for this discussion, I spent a good amount of time at your website, which is at Gail Perry with two R's, P E R R Y dot com, and it's awesome. It is um, jam packed with information, advice, invitations to webinars, tremendously great resources, and I encourage everybody who's listening to head there. And I am. I totally guarantee you that you will find something that will immediately enable you to be more effective at your fundraising work. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you. Actually, I think um, these kind of resources are so so important to organizations of of all sizes. And while you may have done fundraising at Duke and mingled with billionaires, you also f- founded organizations, so you know about um, the small and the mighty oh, yeah. as well. Oh yes. <laughs> so scrappy, one of the things, scrappy grassroots organizations. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you're clear in almost everything that you write, and uh, all your speaking that you actually really love working with boards. And I wondered, um, at least that's love what it. how it comes love across. It. And I and um, and I was curious about why. Well, these board members are usually really well-meaning. They really care. They want to do a good job, and they're probably not. They, they're, um, there's, a, there's a gap between uh, their, their understanding of their job and their understanding of fundraising and what we need them to do. So really, um, I, inter- I start out, I have this board workshop that's so popular, board members rate it as really enjoyable and highly productive. And if you can do a board workshop and they all rate it as highly enjoyable and productive, you, you, you know, you, you, it, it's, it's a good thing because they, lots of times their time is, feel like their time is wasted in boring meetings and um, useless useless discussions. So if you're going to uh, approach board members from a different angle about fundraising, I, I do something very, very radical. I take soliciting off the table. Take it right off the table and I tell everybody they don't have to ask if they're not comfortable, but every single board member in this room can play some role in the fundraising process. Well, and let's, okay. Let's so I, what I, those I, are. All right. So I got to stop you. Okay, so you, oh, you we do, talk about the definition of fundraising too. John. Yeah, let's do that. But uh, but so of course I'm sitting here thinking, well, no wonder you score so high on those <laughs> on those workshop uh-huh. evaluations. <laughs> no, but so they're, I'm ready, ready. they're ready. Let, let me tell you a story. All right, I'm gonna interrupt. You. Let me tell you a story. Go ahead. I was, and this illustrates the reframing. 
um, I was inter- I interviewed a bunch of board members for my book. And uh, that, by the way, the executive director said to me, and this is key, when I asked the executive directors what they really needed to do, their board members to do in fundraising, to a person, the executive directors I talked to said, if they would just open doors, if they would just open doors, I can do the rest. That's okay. what I need my board members to do more than anything else. Because the executive directors would tell me, and I also experienced this myself over and over, that board members bungled asks. We had to go in and clean up with a donor after a board member was inappropriate in an ask or rushed too soon, didn't ask for permission, asked the wrong amount, and just completely, really, really took our relationship with the major donor backwards. Uh, so this story, uh, I'm interviewing a board member. She's, uh, she's board chair of the Raleigh Little Theater here in Raleigh where I live, and her name was Cece. And I said, Cece, tell me, your board chair, tell me about your role in fundraising. What's working for you? What are you doing? I'm just interested in surveying some, some organizations. And she said, fundraising? Ugh. She said, I told them that I would be board chair, but I wasn't going to touch fundraising. D D D D. You know, she was very haughty about it. Right. And, and, uh, and I said, okay, okay, well, just back up. Let me ask you another question. What, what if you didn't have to do any fundraising? But what if you were like the official ambassador between uh, the Raleigh Little Theater and Progress Energy, our big utility here in, in, in Raleigh? And okay. I knew she knew everybody at Progress Energy because her husband was an executive there. Uh-huh. And she said, oh, I'd love to be ambassador to, uh, Duke, um, to Progress Energy. She said, gosh, I could, I could give them free tickets. I could invite them to, to cast parties. I could give them backstage tours. She's like smiling and thinking about all the things she could do to foster the relationship between uh-huh. Progress Energy and the Raleigh Little Theater, which is the first step to an ask, clearly. Of course. And it's the first step to establish a relationship. And then she said to me, and I did not prompt her, she said, you know, I wouldn't mind going along on the solicitation if I'd done all that. And I almost fell on the floor because this lady was about to hit me um, at at first because I mentioned the F word. And then she's volunteering. Mm -hmm. And and, and the thing is, another board member said it's awkward to go in with the executive director for an ask when I've had no relationship at all with this prospect barely know them and have not been part of any of the warm-up. So my thinking, I propose to put board members to work in the all parts of the fundraising cycle, hosting tours, hosting socials, hosting porch parties, opening doors, engaging in the thank you process in every possible way. Uh, You know, donor love is this huge trend in our field. Uh, And if they do that work, the fundraising takes care of itself. And if you look at the donor retention numbers that nonprofits are experiencing uh, and with declining rates of donor retention, right. and consider that every nonprofit, say the Interact, the Rape Crisis Center right down the street uh, that I love so much here in Raleigh, they lose probably 50% of their donors every year because that's the national average. And they have to bust their butt to bring in new donors. Right. But studies after study after study shows that if we engage with donors after they give the first gift and give them a terrific experience, stuff that board members can do, and it's yes. fun stuff. Donor Appreciation Day, let's have a cookout. You know, <laughs> um, and then, then the donors will not only renew their gift, they'll give more. In right, the regular state, they don't have to be so, it's not, so fundraising is not about the ask. 21st century fundraising is about donor retention and opening doors. 
And if those two parts of the fundraising cycle are done well, it's really easy to say, gosh, we, 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 would you like to know more about the impact you could make on this organization? Would you be interested in discussing a financial contribution? Right. It's really, right. and I believe in asking for permission to ask. Interesting. You know, this is major gift fundraising. This is like 101. Let's be polite. So in a, very, and in a nutshell, that is my philosophy, and, and, and I think it's very successful because, frankly, if you, if you try to get board members to fundraise, they won't do it. That's the problem. I mean, I, I'm practical. I'm practical. I acknowledge reality, and I work around it and through it. And some people say that my, my approach is manipulative. But I say my approach is called leadership. <laughs> and, and, what's, and what did you what did you learn <laughs> real quickly? <laughs> I'm intrigued by the yeah. by the organizational development coach you brought in. Yeah. What was a, what was yeah. the kind of the lesson you learned from that experience that 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 helped you to to sort of oh, think about fundraising yeah. in this different way? Great question. Great question. Stop coming right at people in their face. And instead, back off a little bit, listen to them, meet them where they are, honor their perspective, and find a path that works for everyone. Because you respect them as a human being rather than saying one size fits all. We're going to train everybody. Now, board members, I, I, I totally approve of board members going out and selling event tickets and getting stuff for auctions and doing smaller sale and crowdfunding and peer-to-peer funding. Fundraising is spectacularly useful for board members to engage in. But when you start getting them in major gift fundraising, you've got to be really careful. And so, so board members, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, they, they're not one. They have different skills and attitudes and talents. And, you know, let, let's honor them. Let's honor their fears about fundraising. Let's honor their myths and their misunderstandings about fundraising. On my board workshop, I have a deer in headlights picture, and I make jokes about what people think fundraising is. And then I say, well, let's talk. It's not about asking. It's not about money. And it's not about cold calls. Because board members are scared to death. You're going to ask them to go ask strangers for money, you know, cold calls. That's what, that's what they think fundraising is. The, and, um... and fundraising is donor retention. Fundraising so, is porch party, you know. The interesting thing about this is, um, so I spent time talking with um, uh, <clears throat> about the over reliance that nonprofits have on special events. Um, Ugh, that they, I agree a thousand percent. That they are. Um, uh, I, I've written. Um, something that I didn't really intend to be offensive to the Girl Scouts, but I, I wrote something about the Girl Scouts kind of spoiling fundraising for everyone because it's so transactional. It's like, it's A, very transactional, and B, when the Girl Scout shows up in my front door, I just, I'm, I'm not thinking about what the Girl Scouts do. I'm not thinking about making a contribution to the Girl Scouts. I'm thinking about whether I should freeze the Thin Mitts or just eat them right out of the box, Right. And, And, um, and don't you worry with the kind of philosophy that you, um, that you are an ambassador for, to steal your word, Uh um, Uh that you're kind of letting board members off the hook with regard to special events specifically. So so stay with me one more second. So, so I, 
It is one of the reasons in my mind that board members will always come up with ideas for special events, which are time and time intensive and cost a lot of money. Worst possible way. Yeah. Worst yeah. Possible way and to so raise money. how do Careful. you take your philosophy, which is to friend raise, to cultivate, to steward, and, and it plays right into, mm-hmm. hey, let's have an event. Which I think well, is problematic. Well, we can't do that. You can't have but one or two events a year. I mean, it's, having events is grade school fundraising. And it's the least profitable way to spend your time, as we all know. It wears out your volunteers. Uh, board members, when board members insist on events, several things are going on. They don't understand fundraising. They right. don't understand the real way to raise money. They don't understand their own fundraising program. And, and part of what I do, a lot of what I do in my fundraising workshops for boards is educate them and help them understand how do we raise money. And I'll, I'll get the staff up there and I'll, inter, I'll interview the staff in front of the board about what the staff's biggest challenges are for fundraising. And I'll say, all right, tell me about that big gala. What's the mm-hmm. net? I said, you mean to tell me you're only making 50% on the dollar for that debt? And the, and the staff shakes their heads. So I'm like the authority, you know, yep. <laughs> rubbing this information into the board's skulls because the staff members have a hard time doing it because of their, the political relationship between well, them and the board it's members. A, it's, a power, it's, a, it's a power dynamic. Sure. And the thing is, if we can educate board members about how fundraising really works, I mean, I would recommend people listening to this podcast to go to my website and pull the, pull the post up that says um, what board members need to know about how fundraising really works today. That if we could educate board members on what fundraising is and how it works and how it's done smartly and profitably, I think we could put them to work in really great ways. Really great ways. I mean, you know, you, you've read Penelope Burke's famous research that um, – when they, they test over and over and over the power of a board member making a thank you phone call mm-hmm. very quickly after a gift and study after study, I remember her very first study, the results came back that um, when board members made those thank you phone calls very quickly after the gift came in, the donor's next gift was 39% higher <laughs> than the previous gift. I, and so there's um, statistical evidence that board members can raise money without soliciting. So there's uh, two stories come to mind. One is that um, when yeah. I was the executive director at Clad, I came back from lunch and my assistant had already had an envelope uh, addressed and stamped for me and yeah. did not let me go to my next meeting until I wrote a note. And the, all the, the lunch was so fresh in my head that I was able to say, you know, I, I hope your dog Nigel is feeling better or, or whatever it might be. And, yeah. that, and, yeah. that, and that was postmarked that same day. And then the the other story is that one year I decided I, I had had enough of getting coffee mugs from nonprofits, and I said, I will write a handwritten <laughs> thank you note to every one of our major donors. And it, and, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, good for you. And it was a, uh, my kids went um, skiing, and I stayed in the lodge and wrote 250 thank you notes. Bless your between- heart. Yeah, that's something right. board members should be doing. Let me tell you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, so I want to ask you a question because this feels to me yeah. like the solicitation then becomes very staff driven, and you've worked for scruffy yeah. startup nonprofits, and mm-hmm. executive directors are busy boys and girls. So, doesn't mm-hmm. this put too much onus on the staff? Because especially if you're a small and not so mighty one, I mean, how does that work? 
Well, there are two. Typically, a, a small organization is going to have a mailing campaign, right? And so the, uh, everybody's going to get solicited by mail once or twice or three times a year, hopefully. Right. Um, certainly should not be only once. Uh, and so everybody should be scooped up in that mailing. Uh, and all the activities that board members engage in uh, for don to build donor loyalty, you see the fruits of your efforts uh, in, in the results of your direct mail. Um, and then when it comes to major gifts, they're only, a small organization can only handle a few. And usually those come in from board members, board member connections. But board members are not going to bring in their connections if they think the first thing you're going to do is ask for money. Because right. that, that's embarrassing to the board members, and they want... But if they know you're going to try to build a relationship with the prospect and, um, and, and find out why the prospect really likes your organization, board members will open doors and will bring in new donors, and board members will help secure the gift. If we, if we do our homework correctly and we follow, if we're gracious and we're not in their face. So uh, you're I don't not know about you, but Joan. What? Sorry. No, 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 that's I don't okay. Know about you, but I have been asked in a way that I felt was an affront. It just felt like an affront because they didn't even know whether or not I was really interested. They hadn't asked me anything about myself. They just asked. Yeah, I haven't had thinking, that experience, yes. And you don't want your major you don't want your donor to feel like that. And lots of times board members they they try so hard, they're so well meaning, they want to help. And they're not trained well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's then that's why I say we have to clean up after them sometime. You know, we know that money's programs, right? And it, it, you got to yeah. get it right, and you can't screw it up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And screwing it up means brushing too fast to the ask when you've got a larger donor. Interesting. And board, if board members know you're going to follow good manners and protocol, and you're going to um, engage with the donor a bit and um, um, find out what the donor's interest is, uh, and then ask, I think board, I've rarely met a board member who would not open a key door. Yeah. And I want to share my favorite four steps uh, to a major gift ask, if oh, I may. You may. The, the first, the first, and this is interesting. This is a different, a slightly tweak on, a, on approach. The first thing you do is be sure your donor's qualified. And what I mean by that, they have interest and they have capacity, right? They're qualified. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing you do, you need to find out their hot buttons their interests, and their passions, especially where it comes to your work, right? And that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a fun conversation. Tell me how you came to be a donor. I'd love to hear your story. What do you like most about our organization's work? I mean, these are easy things to find out. Number mm -hmm. three, you build some cultivation activities around your donor's hot buttons. So if I'm interested that. in... You know, and that's easy, too. That's fun and pleasant. And the donor's so interested to learn more about their area uh, that they're so passionate about. The donor's learning more and more. They need the program people. And then, number four, you say, would you like to know more about the impact you could make on this program? Mm -hmm. And so that, that's, the way, that's, the night, that's the right way to do major gift fundraising. Uh, so I, I do divide the approaches to donors in different groups, major gift and um, smaller donors. And then we've got, we've, of course, we've got the mid-level donors who are languishing. They may be giving 1000 a year and not getting any special treatment. So a lot of us in fundraising are obsessing about the mid-level donors as low-hanging fruit prospects. Right, right. Um, very interesting. Uh, so we are talking with Gail Perry. 
the feisty Gail Perry, who is <laughs> a fired up and an international fundraising consultant, keynote speaker, trainer, and leader in philanthropy. She's developed an approach called Fired Up Philanthropy that has helped organizations raise hundreds of millions of dollars in gifts. And her best-selling book, Fired Up Fundraising, Turning Bored Passion into Action, has been called the gold standard guide to building successful fundraising boards. And you can find resources galore at gailperry.com, G-A-I-L-P-E-R-R-Y. Uh, Gail, can we talk for a minute about board development committees? Yeah. I have heard Ooh, yeah. executive directors and board chairs say, well, I don't want a development committee. I think that's a bad idea because it lets everybody else off the hook. The entire board is the fundraising committee, they say. Uh-huh, and then there's uh-huh. development committees that feel like their role is to supervise the development staff. What's Ooh. Do you believe in board development committees, and, and, and what's the best kind to have? I, I do. I do believe in board development committees, but here's their, here's their job uh, description. Their job description is to support the staff and make sure everybody on the board is engaged at the right, in the right place in fundraising. I agree with that. So they're like the traffic cops to get everybody on board. Um, for example... I was working with a museum up in uh, uh, the mountains, uh, Asheville area in North Carolina, and yep. they were approaching yep. their fiscal year close, and the, uh, they were not going to make their uh, budget. And it was, it was like late April, and they only had a few weeks before the end of the fiscal year in June. And the board development committee got together and decided that they would have three fundraising events, and the fundraising events were going to be $1,000 a ticket. And, of course, I was behind the whole thing, you know, encouraging them. <laughs> but, but, nice. but, the, but the request for the events came from the board development committee, and so they organized everybody in the board to have these one, one fundraising event was called um, um, Mo- Moonlight and Magnolias. Uh, no, moon, no, it was called Martinis on the Mountain. <laughs> Martinis <laughs> on the Mountain was one of them. And, one was, and one, another one was in with the new observatory in town, really cool places. And the board members themselves went out to make the $1,000 ask to have people come to their parties. I'm I'm uh, still I'm still back on mar- <laughs> martinis on the mountain, I know, that- and if you give it a certain level, will airlift you down because you're not going to be able to get down. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, board com- board development committees should be making sure that everybody on the board is engaged. They can supervise the thank you letter committee, the right. thank you phone phone call committee, and they're cheerleaders for everybody to have fun being engaged in fundraising. It's actually, um, I agree, I agree with that. Cause what you're really saying is it's, it's the, they're the sort of the peer champions yeah. for the work of fundraising, yeah. right? So that the power we, dynamic. We need the peer, mm-hmm. the, um, the staff. I, I, I have a lot of fun, um, with my guide to soliciting your board. And if anybody that, that's also written up on my blog, seven steps to solicit your board. And, and, and my number one rule is hide behind another board member. <laughs> You don't want to be out front doing this. That's hilarious. Uh, um, yeah. So, um, so Gail, um, we all know we have a very highly energized and mobilized citizenry on both sides of the political aisle. Um, uh-huh. Many are anxious to do more. More of them should join boards, if you ask me. And and I'm I'm not shy about that. Uh, and uh-huh. um, folks, you know, throw out some of the objections I raised at the top, but often they just say, "I'm not sure I have what it takes." And I guess I wanted to know, because I, I, I'm anxious to see more people get out of the stands and onto the field. Um, what, yeah. do you, what do you think it takes to be a board member who can 
what, the skills or the attributes that it takes for a board member to meet or exceed the fundraising expectations yeah. of the organization? I was really interesting. I was interested in that because I, I joined boards when I was much, much younger, didn't know anything about what I was doing, and I didn't know anything about fundraising either, but I was ready to jump in and help. <laughs> so, so if people think that they, they can't join a board because they can't meet the fundraising expectations, you know, let's put them on the thank you committee or let's, let's we need to explain to them again what fundraising really is and how we deploy board members in our fundraising for their highest and best use. Uh, so that so that if you really want a board member, um, you're going to you're going to recruit them for certain attributes they bring to the board, and you're going to find the right job for them, um, being external ambassadors to your organization. You know, for example, um, I serve on the City of Raleigh Arts Commission, and um, um, I would be a good board member for an arts organization because of my service on the Arts Commission uh, and my ability to lobby for for city for public funding. Or for local how about groups. the fact that, or how about the fact that you were a ballet dancer? Oh yeah, I mean I've been I've I've served on the boards of half of the arts organizations in my area, or or been an informal consultant and or and or donor. <laughs> um, so so you know so I have a network. Uh, so people, so so people would come want to bring me on their board for for my network. So everybody, I mean, if, if a nonprofit is going to recruit board members, they need to um, analyze the attributes they're looking for, and then go out and recruit based on based on what they're looking for. Exactly. But I think everybody should jump in to non, to board management. But you have to make sure your board meetings are worth attending, and that they're fun, and they're cogent, and they're well run, and that's a lot of what you do to make sure that board meetings are worth are, are, are powerful events rather than boring uh, times when you just want to escape. Totally true. That's what I say. You have to actually, in order for your board to deliver, you have to actually feed them. Yeah. You know, when I was thinking about uh, writing my book and, and, and trying to get board members motivated in fundraising, I realized something really, really important. I couldn't even bring up fundraising to any of these board members if they were not engaged, that the first step to getting board members engaged in fundraising was to engage them in being a board member and give them a good experience and make them happy that they're on the board and, give, and fire up their enthusiasm and motivation to take action. And that is completely within the power of the executive director or whoever's setting the board meeting agenda. So we, we, it's a lot of it is, uh, we complain and complain, but I think we have a whole lot more power than we think we have to impact the board member experience so that people are aroused uh, with, with emotion and energy that they do want to go to work instead of just being talked at for an hour or hour and a half um, by other people. I have a little equation that I basically say that when you gather your board, you have um, three things you must that must happen at that at that gathering. Uh-huh. You need to inspire, uh-huh. you need to engage, and you need to enrich. And if you do those three things, you ignite. Um, yeah, totally, and, totally. Right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think I, you know people are so lazy when it comes to their agendas. <sighs> they don't understand. I have a handout. Yeah, I have a very popular handout on my website called uh, 12 Ways to Liven Up Your Board Meeting." Oh, good one. Good one. Yeah. Um, well, we yeah. are um, uh, uh, sadly out of time. Um, oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, totally. So thank <laughs> you so much for joining us because I believe you gave listeners, both board and staff leaders, not only 
ideas, but like some inspiration and some hope and the idea yeah. that, that this could be really actually quite a, a wonderful and a fun thing. So thank you for all of that. Thank you. It's my honor, quite frankly, to talk to you, Joan, and I've, so, I've respected your work for so long. And look at your site and all of your writing as um, terrific guidance and pointed people to your site. In fact, I was combing over your materials this afternoon before I talk as well. Very impressed. Thank you. And I hope all the nonprofit listeners out there will take heart. Um, uh, there's much to be done, but there are a lot of people who um, really care and want to take action, and, and, and it's up to you to... You have it within yourself, my friend, listening to, uh, to empower your board and to spark their enthusiasm. I know you do. Absolutely. And by the way, our, our time together was really just the tip of the Gail Perry iceberg. Do, <laughs> um, so do join her over at gailperry.com. Um, she does some great webinars. And please head to Amazon to buy her book, Fired Up Fundraising, Turn Board Passion into Action. Um, while you're over there at, at, at Amazon, you might want to think about picking up a copy of my new book, Joan Gary's Guide to Nonprofit Leadership, also published by John Wiley and Sons. Um, and of course, you can visit and subscribe to my blog that is essentially for nonprofit leaders, both board and staff, at joangary.com, J-O-A-N-G-A-R-R-Y.com. Last but not least, I'd also just like to remind you, uh, coming up on May 10th, we will be beginning a uh, workshop called How to Build a Thriving Nonprofit. It's a free mm-hmm. workshop, and it is um, focused on the small and mighty nonprofits. You can register for that workshop at thrivingnonprofit.org, thrivingnonprofit.org. So head over there and register and um uh, we've actually created something. I've been really thinking a lot about how many listeners and readers I have that have very small budgets and um, how I can serve them better. And we've come up with this idea and hope you'll register and, and offer us feedback on uh, on its value to you. So that's it for me for today. And until next time, as always, thanks so much for everything that you do. Take care. Nonprofits Are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.